It's my podcast. Change, change. Of course we're talking about change. Of course, why not? So, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. I'm going to tell you the truth, too. Here's my podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's August 22nd, Monday. Uh, what is it? 7 o'clock p.m. My name is Andre Anderson. I'm both host and founder of BSTL. What does BSTL stand for? Building something that lasts. So uh, it's now August 22, as I said already, but this means now it's time for everybody to start getting back to school. Elementary schools almost there. Colleges and universities are beginning to ramp up and students are beginning to like do stuff and leaders are beginning to think about how they're going to end the year. And I want to have a conversation today. Now, I'm doing it a little bit differently, I must admit. Um, So generally, uh, we have these conversations, but I haven't necessarily said it, not because I'm afraid or ashamed to say it, um, but I should tell you, if you don't already know, I am also a pastor, right? So uh, there's a thing that I use, um, and I'm okay with it, um, but I use the Bible a lot for a lot of what I do, and over the last couple of years, I've spent like a tremendous amount of time just reading uh, the Word and kind of getting a sense of what leadership looks like out of the Bible, right? So um, I'm hoping that you're going to enjoy this conversation, and even if you don't believe in the Bible, I'm okay with that, right? So I'm not here to try and convince anybody, but like every other book, I still think that we've got to be like open Uh, to having a conversation and seeing the story for what it is, right? So uh, the title of this particular podcast is It's On You, okay? Now, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation is I actually think that one of the most difficult things around leadership is when you are a high-level leader and there's some things that are happening at the grassroots, uh, I think there's this natural tendency to defer and uh, put it towards those that are in middle management or, you know, a little bit lower than that and avoid some of the hard conversations. But I actually believe that there are some moments um, where leaders have to come all the way down from that corner office and they have to, like, deal with some of the challenges that happen um, that that may threaten the overall existence, the core, the culture of the overall organization. And if they don't in that moment, they may, it may cost them like everything. Can can I just say that? It may cost them everything. Now, here's the thing. I'm not saying that when they come out of that corner office, it's going to solve all problems. I'm not saying that it's the absolute solution to all things. But what I am saying is, is that there are some conversations that people might say that's no longer in my pay grade, but they do need to say something. And I think it's one of the reasons why we see that sometimes when there's a product rollout or if there's an issue, like I'm even thinking um, recently about what happened with um, Rogers, right? So uh, for those of us in Ontario uh, a few weeks ago, or at least maybe over a month by now, um, the towers went down for like a day and change. Like I, it was such an interruption. And the truth is, I am certain that there are a lot of different people that could have spoken to what was happening with the phone going down. Uh, But the reality is, is that their big guy, he came down and he was like apologizing and uh, explaining uh, to Rogers customers exactly what it is 
uh, that happened. And I think that that's important. Every now and then there are things that will happen. And whether or not it's your fault or not, when you are leading an organization, you've got to get out of that corner room and you've got to say something, even if you have other people that are equipped and they have the ability to do so, sometimes it's on you. So that's why this conversation is, uh, it's on you. So now let me just like pivot and come back to the story that I'm using in scripture, right? So uh, in Genesis uh, chapter three, um, basically I'm just giving you a brief synopsis because there's a few principles I want to deal with. Um, Like God is already like, spoken to Adam, told him the criteria, the boundaries uh, for how he's supposed to live. He's given him like a bunch of responsibilities, you know, things that he's supposed to tend to. And then he just gives him like one boundary, like one thing that he cannot do. Like he's allowed to do whatever it is that he wants to do. Um, But one thing he's not allowed to do is he's not allowed to like touch this tree or eat from this tree. And, you know, to make a long story short, Uh, For those of you that want to read it, it's in Genesis chapter 3. His wife Eve eats of the fruit, and then Adam, he also eats of the fruit. And we know that this happens because there's another character in there, the serpent. And the serpent has been persuasive enough for them to uh, go against, you know, like the will of God. Like, okay, fine, I get all of that. But this is kind of where I want to focus in on. So after they do the wrong thing and they eat from this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, God shows up, okay? And in that showing up, he basically has a conversation with them around what is it that actually happened, right? And maybe I don't necessarily want to talk as much about what their responses are, and I'm talking about Adam and Eve. Maybe I don't want to so much focus this conversation on what it is uh, that they have to say, but I'm I'm actually trying to focus in on God as a leader and how he handles it, right? So here's the thing. Um, in this environment, in this organization, there is nothing but peace and unity initially. And the decision that they make, and let's just call them workers of God, uh, the decision that they make, uh, it, 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 it may threaten the very existence of the peace uh, that God has in mind um, for them and for the planet. So one of the things that he does after uh, he they eat from uh, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, part of the reason why he, he comes to have this conversation with them is because he's aware of what's happening in this organization we'll call the earth that he's building and developing and hoping to expand and bring on more employees and more people, etc. He's uh, aware of it, even though he's in the corner office. And maybe this is what I want to kind of start off, maybe as my first point anyways, is that as leaders, while you may not necessarily be in the minutia of things, you may not necessarily have to do the the, the mundane things on a day-to-day basis, I think it's important that you are aware of what's happening in your organization, which is also inclusive of some of the threats uh, that may be presented. So I, I do believe that God is aware that there is a serpent. He is aware that this serpent 
um, has everything to do with what is going to happen. I'm certain that he knows that, um, you know, his intention is to just bring down this overall organization. And yet, um, God does not move into action until there is a mistake that is made. Now, the reason why this is important is, as leaders, as much as we would love to be able to guard against um, people making decisions and poor decisions and not always doing things that embrace and incorporate the core values, the mission and vision of the organization, you've got to allow for people to live, right? Uh, you've got to allow for people to make decisions and choices. Um, and here's the thing. He doesn't have to rush in on Adam and Eve and the choice that they make because he's already laid out the criteria. And I wish, you know, sometimes when I talk to some of my friends and we discuss things, all things leadership, here's the biggest concern that people have. Like, how can leaders hold um, those that are accountable to them responsible unless they are clear on you know, what does accountability look like? You know, what are you responsible for doing? What are the terms and the agreement? Like long before you get into any type of uh, transaction with anybody, they have to be clear on what it is that they are going to be accountable for and who they will be accountable to. Now, I know that most times we often get right there and we're often talking about mission and vision and value statements, core values, objectives, and setting timelines. But in order for you to get to all of that, you first have to lay out the criteria for what it is that you expect of those who are accountable to you. Now, the other piece to this as well, um, since we are using scripture today to kind of get this leadership message out there, is you have to understand that whenever you are trying to build uh, something, um, you will always have opposition. And when I say opposition, uh, some opposition is overt, right? So they're going to want to create the same product as you, right? Like when I think about cars, you know, you've got Mazda, you've got Porsches, you've got, I don't know, name your favorite car, uh, insert it there, but you, you get the point. You will have opposition that will be upfront and uh, in your face. And so you know what you're working with and or you know what you're working against. But some of the op opposition, uh, they kind of fly under under the radar. Like they don't necessarily come through the front door. They don't always say here, I'm here to like take you out, but there will always be opposition. And the thing is, is that this opposition that comes, they're not just trying to like compete with you. They're trying to like take you out um, so that you will never be uh, the leader that you are intended to be. And here's the thing in this story that's found in Genesis chapter three, I think that God demonstrates a high level of leadership in that, in that because he has explained what it is that Adam is allowed to do, what it is that Eve is allowed and not allowed to do, he leaves them to kind of grow in their position of having to follow what it is that he's trying to instruct them to do. Now, we already know how the story goes, or at least those of us that know of this story, they fail, right? So they kind of concede their power, their influence, their whatever. Uh, they concede to the serpent, and guess what? They eat from this fruit that they're not supposed to look at, they're not supposed to touch it. And right away, as God is coming to them, because he's aware of what's happening in their organization, one of the things we begin to see that there's a new thing that's introduced into the organization, and that is the group dynamic, the group dynamic, right? So at some point, we want to make the assumption that Adam and Eve, they're working well with one another. There's nothing but peace and harmony. I mean, I don't know what the disagreements are that they might be having. 
the Bible doesn't necessarily teach us that per se. <clears throat> but one thing we do know for certain is that after they eat from this uh, tree, the next step is that they're no longer working in tandem. And here's the thing, when leaders are coming to the rescue of individuals that have made substantial um, uh, decisions that, that will hinder or block or change the culture of what the organization is, along with dealing with the problem, you also have to deal with the fallout and the group dynamic um, that is going to be impacted by whatever it is that the uh, opposition has brought to the table. So when you as a leader show up, you can't just deal with like the main thing. There's like a subset within that that is also developing also at the same time. And so one of the things I like about this as a story is that like when God shows up, he's not dealing first of all with what it is that they've done per se. He's going to deal with that, but he starts off with a conversation with them. And I think that that's the hardest thing about leading, right? So there are difficult conversations that you have to have. And of course, I'm going to be talking a little bit more about this uh, in the September month, um, you know, difficult conversations. And of course, a lot of us as leaders, we shy away from it. But if you don't have a difficult conversation with people, then you will never get to the root of how it is that they are thinking about things and how they are processing things. Because at the end of the day, the conversation will help you to draw out how are they doing, right? We're talking about within themselves. How is Adam and Eve doing in terms of their ability to work and, and reinforce the principles and values of this kingdom building uh, that, that God has given to them? But not only that, he's also having a conversation with them to help them to understand that regardless of the choice that they've made that is now going to jeopardize this uh, organization of peace and utopia and, and tranquility, uh, he's not so detached and or disappointed with them that he's unwilling, and I'm talking about God now as leader, to have a conversation. Now, here's the thing. I think that before he shows up uh, to talk to Adam and Eve about what it is that they've done, I do believe because God is a great leader, I see him that way, that he has already decided how he's going to have uh, the conversation with them because you can't just get into the room and not think about what it is that you're going to say before you say it. So for those of us that have month-end meetings and board meetings and we have one-on-ones, look, can I just say this to you? I don't think you should ever show up um, and not know in part. And I know some people are more uh, scripted than others. Uh, there are some individuals that will go in there with a sheet of paper and bullet points. I want to talk about three, these three points. I only have, you know, 15 minutes or half an hour with the individual. These are the points. These are the sub points. Some people like to write things down. And then there are other people, other um, leaders who are gifted with talking. They don't have a piece of paper, but they know exactly what it is that they want to talk about. Because here's the thing. When you come to have a hard conversation with whomever it may be. And of course, this uh, trickles over into, into mentorship. Uh, it's definitely in leadership and it's also in relationships. And I can't wait to get to season three uh, when I'm going to have some visitors and guests that are going to come on and help us to navigate relationships and so on and so forth. But the reality is you've got to have a sense of what it is 
uh, that you're planning on talking about before you have the conversation or else what may end up happening is that you're going to hold those that are uh, working with you, working for you, you're going to hold them accountable for something else and not the reason for why this initial conversation must happen. Right. So when God shows up, um, you know, he's just going to have the hard conversation. He's going to ask questions. He's going to ask probing questions because probing questions allow for the ones that you are speaking to to think about what it is that they are saying. But then as leader, as they are responding to you based on whatever the situation may be, you're also getting a sense of what's going on in their mind. Now, let me also say this. Even though as a leader, God um, shows up and he's uh, speaking with them and having a a conversation with them, He doesn't skirt the reality, and again, we're still in Genesis chapter 3. He doesn't skirt the reality that they are still going to be held accountable even though he's still having a conversation with them. Oh, I'm going to say that one more time because I think that might be uh, the best part of this conversation so far. So even though God shows up and he has to Uh, hold them accountable, it doesn't change the reality that he's still open to having a conversation with them. Now, this is important because at times when people do things, right, there is this tendency in leadership, uh, we're going to put people in a box, uh, we demote sometimes, we fire sometimes, uh, we take the project away from them at times. Um, But I think that there's a whole new different layer or level of high-level leadership When uh, somebody who doesn't have to be dealing with an issue leaves the corner office, comes down for the conversation, has the conversation, asks the hard questions, is trying to deliberate and help them to grow in this moment of loss, but still yet able to hold them accountable, right? So here's what happens. Sometimes as leaders, where we fail is we come, we have the hard conversations, but because we don't necessarily want to be seen as bad individuals or be demonized uh, within the uh, corporation, we have this tendency of like having a hard conversation, but there is no resolve, right? So after you've had the hard, the hard conversation, uh, people may be like, I just dodged a bullet, you know, like it could have, that could have gone worse, like whatever they say. But then they already, they also know that because you haven't now said to them, this is what's going to happen to you, right? Then really they go back to normal because there is no level of accountability. Now, here's the other thing. When we read this story, um, both Adam and And Eve, even though they have to some degree um, done the exact same thing, um, the way that the story kind of paints itself is that even though God holds them all accountable, they're not held accountable the exact same way. And here's one of the things that I've had to like learn and discover, you know, uh, throughout life um, as a leader and even maybe even more so now um, as a parent. One of the things that I've come to understand that all of my kids, they have different temperaments. And even though they have different uh, temperaments uh, and even though sometimes they may do the exact same thing, which may or may not be right, sometimes it could be wrong. I don't necessarily hold them accountable the exact same way. Why? Because their temperaments are different. Uh, Their age uh, 
is different. Their, uh, the way that they respond to being reprimanded is different. I, I hope this is making sense to you because from a leadership perspective, if you come guns a-blazing and you hold everyone accountable um, at the same level, you may actually do more harm than good, right? So, of course, yes, the goal is to hold people accountable for not doing things that reinforce the values of the organization, but you're not going to hold them accountable in the same kind of way, right? So here's the reality. When God gives this stipulation of what it is that they can and cannot eat, here's the reality. Adam is the one that that actually gets the direct instruction from God. Um, and by extension of that, Eve gets the same instruction because Adam, as it were, is the one that, first of all, has to be clear on what the expectation is. So here's what I'm saying. While Eve is held accountable for her actions in chapter 3, she's not held at a higher level, but she's still held to some level of, of accountability. For Adam as well, same thing. Even though he's not Eve, who would have eaten from that fruit first and foremost, Adam is not um, given a pass because he eats it second. No, he's held at a different level or a different standard of accountability because at the end of the day, the instruction was directly given to him first. But then here's the other thing. Adam and Eve don't just make um, a mistake um, in and of themselves. And while they are held accountable, we also do see in chapter 3 that God holds the serpent accountable, the opposition accountable for their uh, method in the madness. Now, the reason why this is important, and I hope you're still with me, because whether you believe in the Bible or not, I'm not necessarily necessarily here to debate that. What I'm trying to show you is how God operates as a leader in this particular book that I, I use often for all kinds of things. Now, I want to fast forward because this is important, right? Because there's the blame game that happens. We understand that there's opposition. We see that there are group dynamics of things that are happening. We recognize that this decision that they've made threatens the infrastructure of everything. We recognize also that God is leader. He's willing to have these hard questions and hold them accountable. But here's what he does do. And maybe this is the biggest part of this overall conversation. Stay with me just a little bit longer. When you read this story, after the hard conversation is had, when you get to the end of the chapter, the Bible says that God kills this animal and creates this coat of skins, and he places it both on Adam and on Eve as a demonstration of Holding you accountable doesn't mean that I will not cover you as a leader. Now, this is important because in leadership, we have a way at times of when people really mess up royalty, we put them in the penalty box, um, we relegate them to a specific space, we may determine that they will never qualify for being a part of the leadership team because what they've done is so heinous. But if you look at this particular story around leadership, here's what we find, that despite what Adam and Eve do in that moment, which literally um, spins this entire planet out of control, as it were, God doesn't put them in the basement to work in the mailroom. And there's nothing wrong with working in the mailroom, but here's what he does do. 
he provides them with the covering that allows them to continue to operate in their broken form as long as they live. Do you see what that means? So here's what um, I'm actually saying to us. From a leadership perspective, after you've held people accountable, it doesn't mean that um, they've got to be in the corner office in the basement forever, and it doesn't mean that they will be promoted or not promoted, but what we do need to do is give them the tools that will still allow them to be successful and thrive despite what the choices are that they made that may compromise or impact the organization altogether. And I know that this might be a tough one, right, but think about what this looks looks like. And I think this is part of what I had in terms of the conversation in the previous episode, I think one or two before this one, with this bird and this cat, right? So how we hold people accountable is as important as holding them accountable. So even though God is like, look, there's nothing I can do for you. I'm going to have to escort you out of this Garden of Eden because of a choice that you've made. I don't necessarily have to leave you uncovered even though I've held you accountable. And I think that how um, higher level of leadership hold people accountable, it can actually do more benefits than harm because when people see how leaders hold those that work with them and for them accountable, they will be encouraged that I'm able to make a mistake, but it doesn't mean that you're gonna leave me in the doghouse. My name's Andre Anderson. I'm both host and uh, founder of BSTL, Building Something That Lasts. If you'd like for me to come out and speak with you all, uh, I would love to. Send an email to bstlinc21 at gmail.com. Look, it's on you leaders. When people that are accountable to you make mistakes, you've got to come down. You've got to come out of the office. You've got to hold people accountable, but you've got to give them something so that as they now have to navigate with the new normal, they should still be able to operate at a high level. Until next time, thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. This is the recap uh, for our podcast today. Uh, this one is, of course, called It's On You. And here are the four takeaways that I'd like to leave you with today. Number one, know what's happening in your organization at all times, which means you're going to have to leave the corner office. Number two, You've got to make sure that your employees are held accountable, especially when they are clear on what the criteria is that the organization has laid out for them. Number three, be prepared to have the difficult conversations to resolve the issues and support group dynamics, especially moving forward. And then, of course, number four, be aware of your opposition. Uh, sometimes uh, your employees may not do so well, not necessarily because of themselves, but there may be some outside influencers that are creating some of the havoc within your workplace. My name is Andre Anderson. Thank you again for tuning in to BSTL. All we're trying to do is build something that lasts.